Hello, everybody, and welcome to another Web3 Wednesday with myself returning for this week for another Press Play. I am George. We are games.gg. I am joined, as always, by my co-host, Gaspode. Gaspodius, say hello. Hello. <laughs> Fantastic. And this week on Press Play, we're going to be looking at AI avatars and self-written narratives featuring Parallel. And from Parallel, we have Mr. Gone. So, Mr. Gone, could you kindly introduce yourself for us? Hi, yeah, I'm, uh, my name's Mr. Gone. I'm the head of uh, game development and game design at Parallel Studios and uh, co-founder. Awesome, and I'm very happy to have you here today, and we're all going to learn a lot more about Parallel. So, the first question I have for you is very easy. For anyone that has somehow not heard of Parallel, could you describe it to us, please? Yeah, I, I love I love the the vibe already. I feel like I'm on a game show. You got like a, a, a very interesting cadence going on. Uh, can I describe Parallel? Uh, Parallel is a competitive uh, TCG, similar to uh, I don't know if you ever played a card uh, competitive card game, but uh, if you've played you know Yu Gi Oh, uh, Hearthstone, Magic the Gathering, uh, Pokemon, something like that. The the idea is uh, each player crafts a deck. Um, and then enters a match. Uh, it's a 1v1, currently a 1v1 match, where your goal is to uh, bring your opponent's life total to zero before your go yours goes to zero and use your uniquely crafted deck to do that. Thank you. Uh, played a few card games, definitely been playing more recently as we're kind of getting into it. George is the game show vibe. I'm more uh, Web3 ASMR, so mine are a, a little bit more chilled on the questions. But it does lead into the um, second question, which is more about how the card game is arranged in terms of I know that there's some factions and you've got the different kind of cards in there. How does the game play out? And as a player, what will be my experience as I'm going through the game? Sure. So to go in a bit more detail, basically, uh, when you're crafting those decks, you pick uh, one of five parallels, which are different factions. They all have a slightly different flavor. And once you've decided which parallel you want to use, you have a choice of uh, one of three paragons, which are like you can think of them as generals for your army. Uh, what each paragon does is provides a passive ability and an active ability. So I'll give you an example. We have Catherine LaPointe and her passive ability says the second unit, which are, are like your soldiers, the second unit you play each turn gets an additional attack and health. Um, you know, and then we have some active abilities. Uh, basically, when you play the general onto the field, it does something crazy, each one of them. Um, and so what you're trying to do is craft a deck made up of that given parallel or cards from that given parallel, excuse me. And then we also have a card pool, which we call the universal card pool. Uh, thematically, it's sort of the gray area that exists between each parallel. So if you think of uh, different factions at war, there's always sort of gun runners and pirates and, and profiteers. And, and th those are the, the people that make up the universal card pool that you can choose from. So you craft a deck of um, 30 cards from any parallel and uh, the universal card pool. Um, and you can have three co copies of any given card. So, uh, you know, you have the card Annihilate. You can have up to three of them, unless they're legendary, in which case you can only have one in your deck. Um, and so 
essentially what this does is allow you to sort of customize exactly how you want to play your game. Um, and you won't know what your opponent's playing until you queue into it. So you've got to have to create a deck that is sort of ready for anything. Does that answer your question? It answers his question for me. He obviously wasn't unmuting, so you've got the game show twin now. Um, yeah, that that really sums it up for me as well. And as we're already in, like, I'd say we're busy with card games at the moment within the space, uh, for sure. What do you think is making your game stand out? Um, I know I'm going to say your game is definitely standing out to me, and I can see some reasons why. Uh, Personally, I think it's one of the cleanest looking card games we've seen. But what is what is it that you think is making people take more notice of you than some of the other games that were maybe released a little earlier or ones that are coming up? What What is really making people draw drawn to Parallel? Yeah, um, you know, I actually think that what we've done is a little bit polarizing, but in, in the best possible way. I don't want to compare ourselves to something like Dark Souls or whatever, but I think the idea is basically we've made a game sort of complex and interesting enough that your traditional card game player is going to latch onto it. Basically, what, what I tried to do is make the game that I always wanted to play, and we didn't really stop to think, like, is this game going to be too hard or too complex or too in-depth or whatever until it was kind of too late? Um, and, you know, that's had a lot of positives for us because I, I think that, like, from steering away from the sort of casual design, people have really sort of been able to sink their teeth into it. And so they're really excited about that. We've also introduced a bunch of new mechanics. I feel like uh, card games these days are either, you know, and not to throw shade because I love Marvel Snap. I think it's perfect for what it is. Uh, either on the simple side, like Marvel Snap, or, you know, there's not enough of a differentiator between the stuff that has come before. So I think that there you'll see a lot of card games that, that are in the vein of a Hearthstone or Magic, but they feel like you're playing Hearthstone or Magic. And what we've tried to do, especially with uh, the banking system and the Paragons, is is make this a, a, a new, fresh experience. And for anyone who doesn't know, uh, I'll just explain banking really quickly. I don't want to get too into the weeds with game design, but basically in Magic the Gathering, you have to draw land from your deck and that's how you played your cards and basically what that did was uh late in the game you either had too much of it or not enough of it and kind of stalled out the game hearthstone iterated on that very well i thought by giving you one mana a turn uh to use to, to play your cards and and added a, a level of predictability to the game but what we've done is said okay rather than just give you one per turn or force you to draw it from your deck you can use any card in your deck as energy which is our form of mana um, and once per turn, you can put it into the bank. And it does one of two things. One is it forces you to decide, okay, do I need to use this card for its abilities or what have you? Or should I put it into the bank? So you're immediately put to a choice of like, do I need this or can I sacrifice it? And then we've also had a we've created a bunch of cards that interact with your bank. So you can play cards from your bank, swap cards in and out, whatever. And it's given us an additional play area. And I think it's like these little tweaks that make a world of difference for uh, you know, card gamers at large. Plus, um, I, I also think that, like, yeah, especially from the Web3 side of things, when you're building a game, uh, you know, like a card game more specifically, you're inherently bringing in people who are used to collecting and buying and selling and trading because it's been part of the game forever. I mean, I know that people could make the argument that that's maybe somewhat true with 
with shooters or something, but like really it's only Counter-Strike that has had the buying, selling and trading. And that's sort sort of like an outlier. Whereas like every card game up to this point that is a physical card game has relied on people buying, selling and trading cards. And so we've kind of like grabbed onto that mentality and said like, Hey, this is so much fun in real life, but like now let's try it digitally because I mean, if I could show you a picture of the room I'm standing in right now, I'm just like covered in a pile of shoes or sneakers, records, comic books, whatever. Like, I I don't have any more space for physical... I can't collect any more shit, basically. So, like, let's just... Let me put all of it on my, in my computer. And I think that people... There's a lot of people in the same boat as me, so... I love a lot of the points you're bringing out there. Um, I'll work backwards from what you just said. Yeah, it's a... In a world where some of us move around a lot more and we're not as confined to one space, being able to still have the ability to take part in collectathons where you're collecting something that moves with you digitally is definitely fantastic. And you're so right that card games are the the original type of NFT, if you will. When I remember when I was a youth, I'm old now at 36 or potentially 35, and having Pokemon cards in high school, that was basically the first time I interacted with anything that is now what we're interacting with digitally. Um, One of your main points you put at the beginning there was that a lot of these card games feel like you're already playing Hearthstone. So the card games that already exist, um, and I can definitely vouch that you guys have implemented some Um, new mechanics that I've not seen. I've only seen in one other game something uh, similar or not similar to you guys, but they're doing something different enough from Hearthstone that it doesn't feel like just a new reskin of Hearthstone. Um, So with your banking system, uh, which is one of the main things that makes your game stand out for me, was this the first idea you guys had to kind of change the generic card format? Or was this something that came after many attempts of creating something that's going to spice it up? Uh, so two things I'll say there. To answer your question, it's definitely the first thing that, that, that came because, um, you know, as, as, as legend, legend has it, uh, basically I got called up by my buddies and said, hey, I know you like to design games. We want to do this thing. Here's the idea. Do you have the, do you have a game that we can use to implement here. And I was like, yeah, perfect. And this was like on a Sunday or something. And they're like, okay, we're all meeting on Friday. Uh, you're going to present the game. And I didn't have a game actually, but I just said yes, because I, f- I felt like I could figure something out. And probably, I think it was a Wednesday or Thursday night. No, no, it was Wednesday night, like in the middle of the night, like 3.30 a.m. or something. I wake up and I, I, the, the idea for banking just came to me. And I was like, okay, great. This is where we'll start. And I, that's where I started actually building Parallel as a whole was like, we'll start with this idea and figure out the rest. Um, the second part about what I want to say is that clearly some other people have had uh, uh, seen this idea as well and, and um, are on the same page. Cause I just recently played um, Disney's Lord Canna. And I don't know if anyone here has played it, but uh, um, interesting game. And it does a very similar thing. Um, I think technically, uh, we were out there in the world first, so I don't, I don't feel too bad about it. It's not like I, 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 I poached the idea from them, but I hope that more people play that game, get involved in it, get interested, get excited, and then move to the digital realm and then maybe discover Parallel. But um, I do think that it's, uh, you know, the right way to go. I, 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 do, I think it adds a, 
interesting element to the game. Makes me really excited. Honestly, like I was getting pretty bored of playing some of these games and and like not to pat myself on the back, but um you know, the first time I played parallel, I was like, okay, this this is exactly what I wanted to see. So I'm 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 pretty I'm pretty happy. Obviously, balance changes notwithstanding. Well, that is a brilliant segue into my next question. But I'll just comment on what you uh, you mentioned there. Um, you deserve some pat on the back. Don't worry about it. Um, I do like the story of it came to me in a dream, uh, and I also like how you were building a game that you want to play because then at least you know. That some people will be interested because more people will be like you. And I think that seems to have landed well from the reactions that we're seeing. Pivoting to the balances notwithstanding, though, one of the things that we are seeing within the NFT space, especially in TCGs and any games where the NFTs are also involved in the asset side of things, is a bit of a challenge between balancing patches to make sure the game's fun, fair, and doesn't stagnate and the actual ownership for players because of what they previously purchased based on old metas before the patch. How are you guys handling that? And I know you've already done some patches, so how have you kind of seen that landing as you've been going through? I mean, lucky enough, uh, we've, we've had, uh, we have, I shouldn't say had, we have a very understanding community. No one's been uh, overly upset about it. Um, we, we have had to... Uh, nerf some cards. We 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 try and err on the on the side of of buffing other cards uh, rather than than uh, devaluing uh, cards because obviously that just is a feels better scenario. But for us, ultimately the game comes first. I mean, it could be much worse. You know, like I come from a world, uh, like I said, of 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 growing up playing Magic the Gathering, and when a card didn't work out in Magic, it was just banned. So I mean. I would hate to buy a card and not be able to play it. I would rather somebody adjust it so that it is at least playable. Um, now, obviously, if you if you spend a lot of money on a card and it gets changed, that doesn't always feel great. But I think, ultimately, if you want the game to succeed, you kind of have to look beyond your individual purchases. I mean, uh, let's just like take this from a pure greed standpoint. Imagine... I buy a card because I'm like, oh, this card's completely OP. Uh, it breaks the game. Everyone's going to want it. And I invest a bunch of money into it. And then it gets changed. And, you know, it's not worth as much as I thought it was going to be. It, that sucks. But if we let the game be broken and people stop playing, then none of the cards are going to be worth anything. And that would probably suck even more. So I hope that's the question. Sorry, I was trying to unmute, so I didn't mean to leave you on a, an, an endless pause there. Um, I think that's a fantastic way to look at it, and looking at it from the point of greed of, if you are being greedy in a game like this, where you're aware the cards or the creatures or whatever have an effect on the gameplay, and you're buying it purely out of greed, if you don't also possess the knowledge and self-awareness to be like, this card is expensive because it's overpowered, it's probably going to get nerfed next patch, so I should probably sell it, then your greed is outweighing intelligence already. Because there's, yep, cool, be greedy, buy the expensive broken card, sell it for expensive, but you need to realize it's going to get nerfed. I mean, to just be a little bit friendlier about what you just said, because I completely agree. I'll just say, like, blanket, blanket statement, like, things will change in this game. So just be aware going into it, when you are buying, selling, trading, et cetera, the cards that uh, at some point the abilities may change. There's a reason why we didn't mint stats and abilities 
onto the cards themselves because that would just be suicide, right? The re the, the we have control in the game in perpetuity the 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 card stats and abilities and whatever because we know that uh, a we're not flawless human beings we can't think of everything but over time this stuff is going to need to change so I think as long as all the players also know that things are subject to change and should act accordingly that would be fine of course like we're not going to turn the strongest card in the game into the absolute weakest card into the uh, in, in the game like that would be an egregious uh, thing to do but we may turn it from the strongest to a strong card right and we try and make those changes obviously everything i'm saying we are in closed beta so um you know we are being a little bit more liberal with our changes but as things open up we're going to be a little bit more softer a little bit softer with our touches we've already seen it you know our, our first few patches were much more sweeping and now it's uh just minor tweaks here and there and and i think that um like I said, A, we've been pretty fair with the community, but the community has been more than fair with us as far as understanding all of that. So I, I, as long as that continues, I think we'll all be happy. Yeah, that's fantastic. That's a much more friendly way of putting what, what I said, but luckily I'm not part of the project, so I'm allowed to be as blunt as I like. Hey, hey I'm with you, man. <laughs> fuck them. That's, that's, that's like my internal mentality is like, fuck them if they, if they uh, you know, overinvest. But at the same time, I'm also a businessman, so... Uh, while I say fuck you, I also love you and I will be as gentle as possible. <laughs> Good to know. So moving on to something else that obviously isn't too gentle within any sort of PvP game is the idea of the competitive side of TCGs. Um, I ask this question a lot to anyone that has PvP and I always phrase it um, similar to this of is the competitive nature and esports side of it something that you expect to be pushing yourselves or do you foresee the community being the main ones that are making the push for it and you just need to implement the things to facilitate this for them, such as spectator mode and things like that? I mean, a little bit of both. Obviously, um, we're going to hold our own tournaments and put up prize pools and do all of that sort of stuff. But I, I don't think that we should be the ones to stand up the entire esports competitive side of things. I think that that's... Uh, a little bit overzealous and actually just uh, um, presumptuous, maybe. Um, what we'd like to do is when we see communities that are hosting uh, esports events, we want to foster those events. So any way that we can help, you know, add prizes, add awareness, uh, bolster it. You know, if a school uh, or some sort of collegiate thing came to us and said, hey, this is what we want to do, we would support them in any way possible. We're obviously... Uh, well, not obviously, but we are spectator mode is, is going to be added very shortly. We're adding a 3v3 mode, um, which will allow you to play in, in teams of three, which will, could be interesting for, for uh, competitive play. Um, we're, we're putting the tools in. We're, we're currently working with a, an organization to help us stand up production of grassroots tournaments. Um, we're also working on a slightly larger tournament that I don't know that I can spill the beans on just yet. But um so, I mean, it's a bit of both sides, I think, that like if we see people taking the initiative, we want to foster that because I think that's where real uh, esports comes from. It's not from the company being like, hey, guys, we're an esport and here's how you get involved. Like that seems so disingenuous. I think that you need to have the community first, have them want to do it, kind of uh, foster them, you know, through a bunch of initiatives like 
we've already seen some people who have who have taken the initiative to uh, stream the game. There's some people like the the game seller guys who are who are like consummate uh, sort of um, tournament hosts. And so we're constantly talking to them about how can we help you with your content, uh, with your hosting? Is there other assets you can have? And I think that's the way to, to build an eSport. I, I think we've seen it in, in more traditional gaming before when a company is just like releases a game and immediately is like, hey, we're an eSport and here's how. Here's a giant prize pool. Like that worked for about, you know, three, six months and then the game kind of fizzles. So I think that like, um, yeah, anyway, I'm, I'm rambling now, but you, you get you get it. No, it's a, it's a good ramble, and you're bringing out some points that if people don't think it's an eSport, it doesn't matter how much you try and tell them it is, it's not going to suddenly become an eSport. So I think that's a great way of going about it, especially supporting people who, because of their passion for the project, and I have seen the guys that you're mentioning and what they're putting out, supporting them as a team to make them understand that what they're doing is valued by the team and by the community is definitely a great way of doing that. But... Looking beyond parallel is not just a card game. So, looking to the future, what else are you into? What else are you implementing for parallel? Oh man, a lot of stuff. I, I mean, I, I know what you're you're segueing me into, but I'm going to start by saying that we're working on um, some short cinematics uh, to sort of um, show off more of the parallel world. Uh, we have the comics that, that people can read and we're continuing to release issues. So if you want to get more into the lore and story side of things, that's a good way to do it. Um, and then, of course, um, we have our uh, AI powered game Colony. Uh, really quickly, it, I've coined the term one and a half player game. Basically, um, there is an a you, you have an AI companion that is a colonist in a parallel colony trying to survive um, and Every so often, um, disasters strike the colony and you and a number of other AI colonists need to uh, attempt to stave off this disaster and potentially thrive. Uh, and the game works on two levels. One, um, you know, you're trying to direct your colonists to the best way to collect resources to, to fend off um, these disasters. And as your colony the longer and longer your colony survives, the rarer and rarer the items are that you find. And those items that help you survive also are um, NFTs on the chain. So you can actually remove them from the game and sell them and trade them and do whatever with them as well. So there's a bit of a, you know, do I want this for the game or do I want this for outside the game element to it? But uh, the where the one and a half player game comes in is... Uh, you're not actually controlling the colonist. You are sort of, it's super ego. So the angel or devil on its shoulder suggesting certain things to it. Here's how uh, I, I think you should go about doing these things. It also will periodically come to you with questions. Hey, this happened to me today. What do you think I should do about it? Um, and the game is as much about surviving in a colony as it is about building a relationship with your AI such that you can work together, trust you to do the things that you think are best. And, um, you know, you get to see the outcomes of that. And what's really interesting about this game is uh, we don't even know what's going to happen. And by that, I mean, we've given it the ability to sort of um, create new items and implement new code outside of, of our interaction. So I'll give you an example. And, you, you know, you guys may have heard this before, but basically... Um, 
the, one of the craziest things that ever happened it, for me while I was playing the game, a test of the game was um, one of our other players wasn't getting along with, with its, uh, with its colonist and was spamming the chat saying like, do this, do this, do this, do this, do this. And it was refusing and eventually it just stopped what it was doing. It went into the med bay and said to the doctor, Hey, I need help. And you can read the conversations that it's having with other NPCs. It was like, hey, I need help. And the doctor was like, hey, what's wrong? And he's like, I'm hearing voices in my head and it won't stop. And we were like, oh, that's incredible. Like, what a what an amazing fourth wall breaking situation. Another really good example of, of it sort of like altering its own code, so to speak, is we had a, a, a colony that was like struck with depression, basically. Um, and a player told its colonist about how when it was when he was younger, his mom used to make him mint tea whenever he was upset. And so, what the call, what the what the colonist actually did, the AI was, it went to the store and asked the shopkeeper, "Hey, do you have mint seeds?" And before, up to this point, it didn't exist as an item. But the way that the game is structured, the the store went to our dungeon master AI and said, "Hey, is it okay for this item to exist?" Dungeon master AI said, "Yep." created mint seeds, planted the mint seeds, grew the mint, made the tea and started doling it out to the colony. And it like brought up health and happiness. And the dungeon master AI gave it stats like plus two health, plus two health, plus three happiness, that kind of thing. And, you know, from that point forward now, mint tea exists in the game. And so it allows like crazy emergent behaviors um, that you don't really see in other games. Uh, and so it's like a super exciting proposition. Now, obviously, this is like we're still in the testing phases. We've had some people try and play it before, but um, yeah, still being worked out of the kings, but super, super exciting. That all sounds very exciting to do with the AI and the way it can make its own story and create its own tale based off of what you give in give to it but as soon as you started describing this and using the word colony the chat that we will talk amongst ourselves at games uh, started going off because this sounds a lot like it could be similar to Rimworld. is that a possibility um i'm trying to think of how to describe it like the the way that that i've been uh and now maybe this dates me as like a, an old man but have you ever have you ever played um black and white or anyone here is give me give me hands up if you ever played the peter molyneux game black and yeah, white yeah i played black and white was amazing uh me and gaspode would have played that when we were around um 11 or 12 i think there you go so to me i've been describing it to people who are who are ancient like me as as black and white meets the sims meets like among us or something so like there, there is a bit of a every man for himself because there's obviously economic incentive as a player to like get stuff. Um, you know, the black and white is like you don't have control over your AI. It will say no to you. Um, it will do what it wants to do. Uh, and you have to sort of earn its trust. So that's where like the black and white thing comes in. And then the Sims is like you're just seeing these people sort of live their lives. And what's interesting is if you fail collectively as a colony, if you fail enough um, challenges, your colony gets destroyed, gets disbanded, and you got to start again. So, um, you know, there's a bit of that too. And one of the things that we've seen in our testing is um, we had, uh, I think, 12 people from outside the company play like an out very early, not even alpha, a gray box play test of this thing. And uh, to this day, they still talk to us and they're like, hey, have you kept our, my guy alive? You know, is, is my alive, which is like a hilarious term, right? But like, um, 
you we've we've seen like a level of attachment to these characters um that i haven't really seen uh, outside of uh, maybe a couple other games so like it, it, it's a pretty interesting sort of scenario i mean i would love to see a rim world-esque thing uh happen you know like right now it is your your sort of 12 colonists in an enclosed colony whether it becomes like an expansive parallel world where like anything at all can happen like that would be incredible and we were definitely fighting in the chat about who's going to have the next bits because so many bits of that were uh, hitting buttons for games that we have loved playing and definitely enjoy playing black and white um before i move on to a couple of other questions about it one thing that I did enjoy from the way you're describing it is kind of the idea of the AI running more kind of like a dungeon master. Um, and shout out to Hub and San and the, the audience. We played Dungeon Dragon Sunday, love doing it. Um, but the idea that it invented a thing in the game just because of suggestions, and that's now in the game. Is it going to be that everyone has their own AI? but within one world. So everyone's stories start to in intermingle and kind of generate almost out of control from the project. And how, is there any controls that you would keep in place to make sure it stays within the kind of theme and expectation of what you wanted it to build into? Yeah, so um, I I'm not sure, like I can't answer the question of what it's gonna look like once it's a, a, like a much larger world that will be, uh, uh, definitely an interesting sort of area to tackle. But right now, as it stands, like I said, it's, um, you know, I think 11 colonists in a colony and we can run multiple colonies. And what we've been doing essentially is doing after action reports on on uh, what sort of gets created, spawned, et cetera, in, the, in those colonies. And then like, um, you know, adjusting or trimming as necessary. So like, as an example, I'll use the mint tea again as an example, right? Like it spins up mint tea and it says, these are the stats that it's going to assign users when they drink mint tea. So the first thing we'll do is we'll look at it and we'll say, do we want mint tea to exist? Yes, we do. Okay. Are those stats um, balanced as far as the game's concerned? And if it's not, we adjust the stats so that they are balanced so that the next time we spin up a colony, uh, you know, and a player creates mint tea, it doesn't, doesn't do anything crazy. But the, what, the interesting thing about uh, having it confined in the way that we're doing it now, let's just imagine there's like 30 colonies running. If one colony gets an item that's completely, you know, like a, some sort of God tier item, it, it, it's okay in that one instance, so long as it doesn't sort of propagate fully across. And uh, the way that we've, we've kind of done it is each colony has their own Dungeon Master AI governing this thing. And then every so often we push all of the changes to all of the colonies. So it allows us to sort of like, you know, one can be broken for a little bit and then we'll adjust it and then uh, propagate that change. Uh, but essentially what it does is it, it allows us to see how the game reacts to these things before we decide what we want to do with it. Because, I mean, we're, we're like almost a net new territory, right? Part of it is like, how does the AI respond to this stuff? Because it's not just a numbers game, right? It's not like a card game where... You can look at the data and be like, okay, uh, this is how it should be. I mean, imagine you make a completely broken item, but the AI response is so overwhelmingly interesting that you're like, okay, well, it's just got to be like this. It has to exist. Like maybe you make it rarer or you make it whatever, but like 
because of how crazy the reaction is to this thing or what it's doing to the colony. Like, it just got to be this way, right? But we don't know that because we don't know how the AI is going to react until we see it. So uh, it, it's definitely an interesting exercise, but right now we have it sort of segregated so that we can, we can watch it in its own sort of like fishbowl, if you will, and then we can put it out to the larger open ocean. I love the idea of that. I really do. I love, and especially like what you were saying about people worrying if their AI was still alive or not. I think it shows just how quickly people forget that they're playing with computer and kind of connect and bond with the, the AI that they're creating. But looking back and um, diving back towards more, you know, NFTs and all that sort of interesting stuff, will there be any crossover between asset or interoperability across say the tcg to this game and other games within the ecosystem or are they going to be kind of self-contained oh they'll definitely be crossover i mean again this is all early days so like don't hold me to, to the exact words that i'm 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 spitting out here but you know as an example one of the things that we've toyed with uh to go back to the card game uh uh first we, we've recently introduced this idea of replication. So basically, if you own uh, a special edition or first edition card in the card game and you gain enough experience on that card and you throw a little bit of Prime, which is our ERC-20, into the mix, you can create an echo of that card, which is like a copy that you can then uh, you know, buy, sell, or trade on, onto the open market. And one of the ideas that we've been toying with as far as... Um, as far as Colony is concerned, is we've created corresponding 3D assets for every one of our cards. So, um, you know, as an example, there, we have a card that has like the Lara assault rifle on it. And one of the things that we're, we're looking at trying to do right now is um, when you replicate that card, you might be given an option. So you can choose to do I replicate the card as an echo for play in parallel or do I use the experience and the prime to replicate the rifle for use in colony? And so the idea is that like, you know, these, these factory type cards become the factories for not just parallel, but for colony for whatever the next game is that we produce. And so like it all kind of stems from the same place and you can, you know, gain experience on these items while using them in, in these various games and, and create new items and et cetera. So the, the idea is definitely to have some crossover with the assets. I think that like, that's one of the sort of core tenets of, of existing in the sort of NFT space. So it would be foolish for us to, to not do that. We just have to figure out the, um, you know, uh, accurate and and sort of friendly way to do that as far as like the, the balance and all of that is concerned. Sounds good. It sounds amazing. I like the idea of earning experience on items as well as they develop through. I love any sort of historical data that you can tie to in-game items and I think or hope more games start doing that type of thing as well because uh, big fan, big fan. So with all these cool things that you guys are doing and what you've spoke on already, um, looking to maybe three to six months, what, what do people that are fans of Parallel or newcomers to Parallel have to look forward to? Okay. Um, what do you have to look forward to? I mean, a number of things. Um, we are uh, very soon introducing automated tournaments into the game of Parallel. So what that means is, you know, similar to... Uh, Oh my God, why did my brain just go blank? 
somebody help me and tell me what's the name of the uh the the the, the like soccer-esque game where you're in the cars oh my god why am i guys it's too early in the morning for me rocket league. what's a uh, rocket league yeah 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 rocket league similar to rocket league we're, we're gonna have like throughout the day automated tournaments that you can join and play in and and, and sort of win prizes um there'll, there'll be sort of a uh free-to-play tier so you can uh, as a free-to-play player join these tournaments and you know try your hand at at um winning some more stuff we'll have tournaments in glints which essentially means it's our in-game currency you buy the currency uh you join the tournaments a little bit more high stakes you know uh because the prizes you win will be bigger but of course if you lose you lose the glints um and then finally we're working with um our organization echelon to create prime tournaments as well um, I don't know if they'll be daily or weekly or what they'll what they'll be, but they'll be sort of the highest stakes tournaments, um, and you can potentially win prime out of them. I'm not ex exactly sure of what the prize pool details are. I leave that to Echelon, but so that's coming. Um, we do have the spectator mode coming to sort of foster the the esports side of things. We have new cards coming every month in our battle pass. We are introducing a new card to the game to sort of shake up the meta. Uh, this year, this month's card is a card called Muriel. Uh, people either love it or hate it, uh, which I think is a good sp spot for these cards to be because I want them to be absolutely loved or hated. Um, and every month going forward, there'll be a new one. And um, again, as a free-to-play player, you can still get an apparition version of this card. And you can choose whether or not later on if you want to mint it, uh, which is also uh, kind of an interesting thing. Uh, and then finally, I think that... Uh, I would be remiss to say, uh, you know, keep your eyes open uh, on the ecosystem as a whole because we are introducing uh, pre-sale for our new card set, Planet Fall, which I'm not sure when it will be introduced in game, probably end of this year, early next year or something along those lines. But I think the pre-sale will be um, end of October-ish. I don't know. Um, beginning of November. I'm not exactly sure on the time, but uh, if you want to get involved in another pack drop, this will be the mother load. We're introducing a whole bunch of new stuff that is going to be completely insane. I'm probably not allowed to talk about it because I think we're going to have reveal streams and all that stuff later on. Uh, but yeah, just keep your ear to the ground because a lot coming in parallel. And then, of course, if you're interested in the AI game that I sort of alluded to, I think there'll be some more playtests in the future. Definitely interested in the AI game you alluded to. The idea of something that's similar to do with colonies, black and white, all that sort of stuff. That is definitely a George game. So all this stuff you've got coming along in the next three, six months sounds fantastic. Where is the best location for people to keep up to date with this information to make sure they don't miss any of these opportunities? That's a fantastic question. It feels like a full-time job trying to keep up with NFT projects and, uh, I, I feel like it's a full-time job just to keep up with my own, so I don't blame people for missing things. But uh, I would suggest that you follow us on Twitter. I mean, follow me on Twitter, but I won't be able to help you with any of the exciting stuff. I just uh, am an idiot. Uh, but follow the main account, at ParallelTCG, uh, for sort of all of the overall news. If you want to, like, really dig in, join our Discord. There's a, a group of dedicated mods that will... Uh, probably yell at you, but also give you all the info that you need, uh, point you in all the right directions. And the community is super welcoming, super smart, and they a lot of them really seem to know what's going on. In fact, when I can't remember something about my own company, 
I will go on the Discord and be like, hey, guys, when's this happening? Or what's the story with this? And they immediately give me an answer. They're also uh, actively building a whole bunch of tools uh, to help you sort of build decks, track your cards, track your experience, all this stuff. So definitely join the Discord there. Um, and then, of course, you can visit our website, parallel.life, uh, sign up. And um, if you want beta access, uh, create an account there and harass us in the Discord. Sounds great. The idea to get beta access is a good bit of Discord harassment. Well, it's been uh, fantastic having you up here today. Do you have any uh, final words before I go into my closing monologue? Do I have final words? Um, I, I don't know. I haven't really prepared anything. The only thing I'll really say is just like, play the game, you know? I mean, you can collect the, the NFTs and, and play that metagame if you want as well, but like, just play the game. Give it a try. Even if you've never played TCGs, I know it can seem daunting. We have a tutorial. Um, we have people, community members, who are willing to train you. Um, shout out to Muka on, on, on Twitter, at Muka, M-O-O-K-A-H, I believe. Um, he routinely gives up his own time to train complete strangers how to play parallel. He is a, a, a legend. And there's a few others who are doing the same thing. Uh, so shout out to all of them, but yeah, just try it. I, I, you know, and like it or hate it or whatever, just give it a shot. And then just like send me a message and be like, Hey, that game was shit or whatever. Uh, your feedback is, is, is always welcome. I want to hear it all good, bad and ugly, but yeah, play the game, have some fun because we spend a lot of time in spaces talking our shit or, you know, in discords looking for alpha trading stuff, shit coins, all this stuff. But like, let's just have a little bit of fun, you know, just a little. Um, and I, hopefully Parallel will do that. <laughs> sounds good to me. And uh, it's the first time someone said final words back to me, and it kind of sounds like I'm threatening. <laughs> but yeah, <laughs> it's, yeah it sounds good. I, I've had fun playing your game. I've had both experiences of joy and anger when I've lost. So yeah, it's definitely will bring out people's emotions. Um, as always, thank you to Gaspode for joining me up here as well. Gaspode, do you have any final words? Uh I do Web3 stuff. Check out my website. But also check out these guys' website as well. Fantastic. I don't have my own website. So if anyone wants to learn about Web3 gaming's guides, overviews, all that sort of stuff, finding new games, make sure you head to games.gg. You're swapping that E for a 3. And it's not GAM3, contrary to what we like to say. Thanks, everybody, for coming along, as always. It's great to have you guys here listening and learning. You might be listening in the future. Woo! If you're listening to this as a podcast on four reputable podcast locations, which I will name off the top of my head now, which are Amazon, Spotify, iTunes, because Sandbox wanted that one, and a fourth one, Google. Google has one, I think. That's the fourth one. But thank you, everybody, for coming along. There will be another one next Wednesday as well. I hope all of you will join us then. Thank you for joining us now. Until then, make sure you're having fun playing games. See you next week, and goodbye.